Thank you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Well, hello, everybody out there in the listening audience. I really appreciate that uh, wonderful introduction. I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. And we're really thrilled to have another opportunity to spend with you, the listening audience. We actually have a very remarkable show this evening with a very uh, special and important, well-known guest, uh, Mr. Tony Sias. Uh, he's the president and CEO of the historic Caramu House. But we're going to talk more about that uh, and introduce uh, Tony in, in a few minutes. Uh, I wanted to start off the show, uh, as I often do, um, highlighting a, an important topic, um, especially that's important in, in the Black community. And I just um, read an article uh, from the Journal of the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education. Uh, this is an academic um, publication um, that I, I just reviewed, and the uh, one of the highlights or the headlines is black student college graduation rates remain low, but modest prog progress begins to show. So, you know, we all know, and we've talked about this before on the program that uh, African-Americans uh, in particular are lagging behind other racial and ethnic groups when it comes to uh, educational attainment. High school graduation rates, we, we lag several percentage points behind. And also in, in college graduation rates, um, but again, there, this report um, notes that there is some encouraging news in the fact that African-American enrollments at the vast majority of our nation's highest ranked colleges and universities have shown significant improvement over the past quarter century. It talks about, it goes on to talk about, but a more important statistical measure of performance in blacks in higher education is how many black students throughout the nation are completing school and earning their college degrees. So. Um, it, it talks about also, you know, the importance, and, and this, this data is indisputable. Uh, those who attain a college education have a higher quality of life and uh, better economic opportunities than those who do not uh, go on to complete their, uh, their college education. So um, it talks about uh, Blacks who compete, complete a, a four-year college education have a median, median income that is in near parity with similarly educated whites. So we, we have to keep our, our, our um, fingers to, to the pulse of what's going on with higher education in our uh, African-American students there. And again, we've, we've talked about this, we've covered this with several, I guess, there are several things that we can do, uh, those of us in the older generation to help uh, the younger generation navigate their success journeys I'm going to briefly mention again, uh, as I have uh, before several times, 
uh, my book that I, I recently published, It Isn't Difficult to Do If You Know How to Do It. And uh, I recently um, published a, a companion workbook and journal to go along with that. And I, and I highlight this uh, with respect to what I just referenced about the importance of um, finishing your high school uh, degree, attaining your, your high school uh, diploma, but then optimally going on to complete and um, uh, obtain your, your college uh, diploma um, so that you'll have more opportunities in life. Um, there's another book that I highly recommend that you all read. I, I've mentioned this maybe once before. It's called Permission to Dream. It's a book by author Chris Gardner. This is a phenomenal book. Actually, it can transform uh, lives. And, and basically, the synopsis, the genesis uh, um, of the, the book, uh, it, uh, Mr. Gardner talks about his uh, personal challenges uh, growing up. Uh, he was homeless at one point. Um, but he also talks about how, um, especially in the black community, minority communities, a lot of our um, ancestors or a lot of our young people actually have grown up under certain circumstances whereby they didn't actually see a way out uh, from poverty or from a lot of the social determinants um, that actually influence um, um, their, their, their opportunities, in, opportunities in life. And, and so he... Um, reminds especially us the older generation that we have to instill within the minds the very fabric um, um, we have to elevate the self-esteem of our young people and, and let them know that they actually do have permission to dream to think big to aspire uh, to achieve their goals in life so those are those are some of the things that we we have to to remember i wanted to um take time to to thank um Reverend Dr. Charles Yost, he, he uh, is the former senior pastor of Church of the Savior in Cleveland Heights uh, for having me uh, out at Lakeside uh, Chautauqua uh, about uh, three weeks ago or so um, to speak uh, to an audience out there uh, about my success journey uh, and to talk about uh, the lessons contained in my book. So I really appreciate uh, having had an opportunity. Uh, this was featured in the, uh, the Lakeside uh, Chautauqua News, Week, News Weekly. So uh, I really appreciate having had an opportunity uh, to speak out there. Um, should, the uh, Lakeside is a, a United Methodist, Methodist uh, um, community out on, um, it's out by uh, a little bit past Sandusky on the Marblehead Peninsula. Um, okay, so actually with that in mind, uh, we want to go ahead and, and move the, the show along. Um, uh, Jerome, uh, Jerome Brown, are you there? Oh yeah, man. How you doing today? Yeah, How everybody doing for that matter. Oh yeah, we're. Um, I'm doing great. I hope the audience is, and hope you're doing great. You know, so thanks for being with us. Hey, if the audience is tuned in tonight, they're doing great too. Yes, ab absolutely. So, you know, it's been a busy summer. Um, we've all been very busy doing what we do, um, but we wanted to take uh, some time and. Um, uh, self-reflect and, and, and be uh, thankful for all the opportunities that we've had. Um, and uh, we've all been blessed uh, in, in many ways. And so um, one thing, um, often I listen to um, the radio station, um, WOVU, the urban radio station here in, in Cleveland. Great and one of, yeah, and one of the um, um, disc jockeys or um, um, show host is T.C. Lewis. Okay, I know and, TC. Yeah, you know, TC, remarkable yeah. lady. She always starts her show off. I hope all of you have had an opportunity 
to drink some fresh, clean water. How about that? Let's yeah. toast to TC right now, then. Toast to TC. <laughs> and and I, I told her I'm going to steal that line from her, but, you know, thinking about being grateful, we have to remember there are a lot of people in the world who do not have access to clean water on a daily basis. Indeed. So we, we can't um, take the fact that we have Lake Erie right here. We have a, a great source of, of fresh water. Um, so, yeah, so we have to be thankful to that. And then again, yeah, we, we want to toast T.C. Lewis. Let's thank hey, you. you know, one more toast, too, because ironically, let's toast to Imani Capri because I was on her show this morning. So you bring up W.O.V.U. So let's one more toast for Imani, too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So, um, as I mentioned, we actually have a very special guest. Um, you know, we're thrilled that he, uh, with all the stuff that he's doing, he, he's taken some time to spend with us and, and the audience. So we have um, Tony Sias. Everybody knows who Tony Sias is. Uh, he doesn't need an introduction, but um, I, I can't really do him do justice in terms of um, an introduction, but I'm just going to read a little bit about um, uh, the great Tony Sias. So, as I mentioned, he's the president, he's CEO of the Karamudu House, uh, which is the nation's oldest multicultural art institution. It's located in the heart of Cleveland's historic Fairfax community. Um, and, and Tony's going to tell us about the history of Karamu. Um, but Karamu produ produces professional theory, pro theater provides uh, arts education, presents community programming for all people while honoring uh, the African-American experience. So um, prior to going to Karamu, Tony was the director of arts education for the Cleveland Metropolitan School District uh, and artistic director of the School of Arts. He's had many accolades. Uh, he's actually uh, has a lot of directing credits. Uh, West Side Story, Footloose, Carmen Jones, Free Man of Color, uh, Summer Nights and Fireflies, Dream Girls, Guys and Dolls. I mean, the list goes on and on. He has several acting credits. Uh, on the Road with Duke, Angels in America, Parts 1 and 2, uh, Black Eagles, Big River, Oak and Ivy, Jazz Poet on Broadway. I mean, there's so many uh, things that he has done. Uh, he's received many uh, accolades and, and, and um, um, awards as well. So, I mean, he's a very busy guy. Um, and so, you know, with that, I, I'd like to uh, invite uh, uh, Mr. Tony Sias to the platform. Hey, good evening. Tony. Hey, <laughs> yeah, thanks for spending time with us. Oh, you're more than welcome. Pleasure's mine. Thank you. So, Tony, you know, we um, we want to actually uh, give you the floor. We want you to uh, tell the audience, um, you know, about your background, how you came to be where you are. Um, obviously, we want to hear, you know, about Karamu House, what's happened in the past, what's happening now, uh, what we can uh, anticipate is going to be happening in the near future. And again, you know, this is uh, music and medicine, and we all know that music is medicine, entertainment is medicine. Uh, we all need a respite to, to escape from the, the rigors, the challenges, the stressors uh, that we all face. Everybody we know out there faces uh, stressors. And, you know, music and entertainment, theater, it's all an opportunity for us to escape and, and um, congregate with one another. And we can do that now, you know, um, um, in this post-COVID, COVID's still around, but it's a not, bit, you know, a little bit. Yeah, it's not <laughs> to the extent where we have to isolate. I'm still doing the fist bump, though. I'm still doing the bump. Still, still do, a lot of people, I think that's going to persist I, yeah, I, it know, is. In, in many ways. 
but uh, yeah, so so Tony, it really, um, so the floor is you is yours. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and and your role, what you're doing at Caramel. Well, uh, my name is Tony Fitzgerald Sias. I'm the fifth child of six, Helen and Leo Sias. I am a native of Jackson, Mississippi. I did my undergraduate work at Jackson State University, uh, historically black university in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, you know, arts and culture has been just a part of my life from, I think, my inception. My mother um, uh, was a creative and my father as a contractor was a creative. He was a, a fence erector and designer. And uh, my mother taught home economics for about 34 years, but she also had a dance troupe. Uh, and she uh, used uh, arts and culture as a vehicle to help guide young people to positive outcomes in their personal lives. So uh, I kind of always did it as a kid. You know, we would watch uh, Hee Haw and uh, the Lawrence Welk show, and we would have a, our own uh, Saturday night family talent show. And so during the day after you left your piano lesson or your cello lesson or whatever musical lesson you would go to, because we all had to stay an instrument, uh, then we'd have this talent show. So uh, the expectations of coming together as a family and sharing talent has always just been there for me. Um, yeah. I, originally, I wanted to be an opera singer and my parents were really concerned uh, that I would be challenged with the languages, the romantic language. And so uh, I decided to be an actor. So what brought me to Ohio was to do my master's of fine art at Ohio University. What got me to Cleveland was to complete the MFA, you had to get a residency at a regional theater. And so I got a residency at uh, the Cleveland Playhouse and had no intentions of staying in Cleveland outside of that year. And 31 years later, here we sit. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Cleveland has uh, uh, been a, a, great, a great environment uh, that um, I really have grown to love. And uh, it is my second home. And uh, and I've decided Cleveland will be my resting place at the appropriate time. So wow, um, that is my level of commitment to uh, the great city of Cleveland. Wow, you and I can relate. You know, I uh, was supposed to only be here for two years. I did a kidney transplant fellowship at Cleveland Clinic. I wound up doing an extra year of um, combined clinical research. Twenty nine years later, now <laughs> I'm, I'm still here. So. I don't, so I don't I mean, know. Where, I mean, we're in good company on that one. Well, the only thing is, I don't know exactly where my resting place is going to be, but we'll, we'll you know, Cleveland Brown Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. So, I, you have a little um, clip. I think you you you're going to play for us that talks a little bit about the history of Caramu. Yeah, so this would be a great time to just kind of, it gives a history of Caramu and some of our more notable alums who've come out of the institution. Yeah, thank you. Welcome you into sacred space, onto ground that is legendary, into space that summons joy and pride. We welcome you to Caramu House. When segregation ran rampant in our history, we welcome all as freed slaves migrated north. Our home was a place of refuge. Founded by the Jellifs, Rorina and Russell Jellif set new standards. A Jewish couple with the vision to unite and to uplift. A vision with an unapologetic value of diversity. An unapologetic commitment to excellence in the arts. Welcome to our home. 
a place that witnessed the lies society tried to push that African Americans were not enough, a place that witnessed the abuse of African Americans physically and mentally and decided to make a difference, to be the difference, a place that decided to take a stand, a place that became a home to cultivate the work of artists with a special honor to black artists, the home where Langston Hughes wrote verses and taught poetry, where countless playwrights of the Harlem Renaissance received support and space to develop their artistry. Shirley Graham, Conrad Seeler, Andrew M. Burris, Willis Richardson, and Zora Neale Hurston works were advocated for and produced with excellence. This is a place of inclusion, a place in which the halls were graced by Martin Luther King Jr., where the largest number of buses left Ohio to attend the March on Washington, where Rosa Parks spoke, a place for collaboration, a place that is firm in its integrity. This is Karamu House. Karamu, a Swahili word meaning a joyful place of gathering. We are a place of joy where stories and dance, music and art are shared with quality and shared to make impact. Where programming, education, performances unite, showing the beauty in all of us, the talent in all of us, the value in all of us. For 105 years, we have been here in Cleveland, Ohio, where names known and unknown, young and old, have left marks that will never fade. Vanessa Bell Calloway, Ruby D, Imani Hakeem, Langston Hughes, and James Pickens Jr., and countless others. The place that is for you, for me, for all. Welcome to the legendary Karamu House. That's incredible. The history. Thank you. I'm a, little, I'm a little bit younger than you guys, and I have never um, went to a play or anything like that in the Karamu House, driven past her all my life. I can say now having you on and seeing the film, it's a must. I must attend something there, you know, just for the spirit. Well, you know, um, we do usually pre-pandemic, we were doing a six show season. Uh, during the pandemic, we did a pivot and we did virtual work, but it was not Zoom productions. We were mounting fully filmed actual theatrical productions. Um, and it's important that, you know, generations of young people uh, historically were coming through Caribou House. So very few places that we go, people would say, well, my mother, my grandmother, my child, somebody has a connection. So <laughs> although you may not have been through Caribou, I know that there are more people you know that have been through Caribou House. So we want to extend an invitation for you, a personal invitation for me, uh, to attend uh, one of our productions this upcoming season. That'll be beautiful. I, a friend of mine name is Sinkyu Spates. He not too long ago passed away. But him and his father did some of your work inside of there. Uh, I don't know if it was the drywall or the lighting, but him and his dad years ago did a lot of good work inside of there. Yep. 
Well, you know, that's really important. We and we're currently in phase three renovations. So mm. um, by the end of February of 2023, we'll have a brand new uh, outdoor stage. Nice. We will have a, have a bistro inside of Caramu, a brand new streetscape on the corner of uh, East 89th and Quincy with a huge marquee that once you, you arrive at that corner, you'll know that you've arrived at a destination location. There you go. So, uh, yeah. It's so important to have uh, everybody has a hand in Cleveland around Caramu, whether it's people like your friends who have contributed to to uh, uh, the carpentry there of renovations early on or those people who are currently doing programs or interns or students or our actors uh, or just simply our patrons. So it's, you know, Caramu is a key Swahili word that means a place of joyful gathering in the center of the community. And we try to live that on a day to day basis. So uh, and we go beyond just theatrical productions. We have a concert series. We've do, done comedy. But with the comedy, this is the thing. You know, I don't believe in censoring, but the spirit of the ancestors told me to <laughs> right. that we asked the comedians to shy away from F, N, and B. And I'm not talking about First National Bank. <laughs> <laughs> and so because, you know, a lot of our comedians who are uh, Prior to coming to Caramu, they were, you know, at the juke joint down the street, and people wouldn't get, wouldn't focus their attention on the on the on the work that they were doing on that on that set. Yeah. And many of their family members wouldn't go to those locations. But once we started doing comedy at Caramu House, uh, people said their mama, their grandmother, their cousin, their aunt, the preacher would come, and even sometimes if the language would get a little risque, it was still a safe place that they knew that they were level of respect inside of Caramel House. And so we were so excited about four years ago to add comedy to our uh, programming offering outside of our traditional theater work. Yeah, that's great. You know, Jerome, <clears throat> you know, looking at that history, that video, that just amplifies for me the weight that Tony is carrying on his shoulders on a daily basis. So this this history lives on, this legacy of Caramel lives that this is on his shoulders, um, along with, you know, his, the supporters and the trustees and, and, and others, but, but he is, um, the custodian of all that to, to make sure that this goes on, you know? So, that, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That, that's heavy, man. That's why, you know, I commend you, you know, <laughs> because it takes like a special person to be able to put everything together and to have everybody in agreement on a lot of the stuff to get things done. You know, you're going to have situations where uh, this person may say this and this person may say that, and you're in the middle of it. And somehow, some way, you've been able to su su successfully navigate through all of this stuff. And it's not easy sometimes, Tony. I'm sure it's not. You know, <laughs> well, but go ahead. <laughs> No, I said, this is an appointment from God. Exactly. And so I am an obedient servant to that word. And, you know, what's really interesting is building consensus. And, you know, the process of theater is, you know, coming to rehearsal, learning how to work together. And so that's the model that I use in working with our constituents, our boards. It's really around a team-based approach and collaboration. And knowing when to step back and when to step up and, and, you know, what your deal breakers are. But it's really better understanding how to work with the community as a whole, because it's so easy to let ego get in the way. I'm sure you've heard this saying before. Ego is nothing but E-G-O, etching God out. And uh, I don't 
I feel like if we keep away and keep the mission and vision of the institution first and foremost, yes. and the spirit of joy, then I feel like we can continue to accomplish the work on behalf of the institution and on behalf of the community, most important. Yeah, you yeah. put your spirit in it. You put your spirit yeah. in it as all those other people who have come there and performed and were a part of it. Like you said, you're, you chose to lay, you know, the final day be here. So, I mean, I, man, that's, uh, if they don't, they don't follow you on that, bro. You know, they're not with you because that is really heavy. I've had um, opportunity to, to um, you know, visit Caramu on several occasions, see several productions. Um, uh, I, I've actually enjoyed uh, hearing the, the great Bill Cobbs um, speak there several times at, at Caramu, a friend of mine. Um, one of the best productions or most uh, entertaining productions I, I saw was uh, Peter Lawson Jones and Fences. Um, that was, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago. I forget how, how many years ago, but that but it was quite entertaining. Uh -huh. um, I had the honor and pleasure of directing that production as well as producing it. And I tell you, it's one of my favorite August Wilson pieces. And I had the pleasure, some play Troy in that piece. And uh, so it, that piece really resonates with me. And, you know, as they say in show business, casting is 90% of the job. So getting the right actors in the right role is the work, is the heavy lift. Then moving forward with the vision and all the other stuff kind of usually falls in place. But it's getting the right people in the right roles. You know, yeah. I'm an old trumpet player. I could actually play that trumpet uh, part. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So, so <laughs> auditions are coming up in early September, Doc. So maybe that's not there for you. But see, Jerome, but see, you, I don't know if you saw offenses. It, it's just a little... Uh, he's just squeaking. The he's not really playing. He's just squeaking. Oh, okay, his, really? His, his brother. So, so I can definitely play that part. You know. Okay. You okay. got that covered. Yeah, he got that covered. You know, he's looking up to the sky, and um, yeah, it's quite moving. I, I've, uh, I think I saw that two or three times over there. Mm. Um, Thank you. So, what, what's coming up? What, what are some of the productions that are coming up that we need to know about? So as I mentioned earlier, we're in phase three renovations. So we haven't announced our season yet because when they talk about supply chain issues in this climate, that is very real. Okay. Um, yeah. So usually we start our first show and our first big production will be uh, our Black Nativity. And so the fact that we haven't publicly announced the season yet, that's the only thing that I can say at this point um, as a part of tonight's com tonight's conversation. So we're not going to announce tonight that I'm I'm starring over there in an upcoming production. <laughs> wait, wait. Now <laughs> you have stole you've stolen my thunder. Okay. <laughs> Taking my thunder. Now all the people know. Okay. So yeah, yeah we uh, look forward. You know, people say that they have seen uh, Black Nativity, but each year over the last several years, uh, we reimagined the production. Of course, that is the nativity story told from an African perspective, uh, Black perspective. And so it's it, we encourage people to, you know, come out, see the show. It will not be the show that you saw last year or the show that you saw 30 years ago. We keep it fresh. We uh, keep uh, oh, yeah. fresh new ideas to make it relevant to uh, uh, 21st century. So we encourage people to, once tickets go on sale, get them ASAP because we will sell out that that's really a, a really important production for us every year. So real quick, I, I wanted to, I, uh, I looked um, when I was reading about you, your, your work, your, your biography, um, 
there was reference to the fact that you co-authored uh, the article Use of Live Theater to Increase Minority Participation in Alzheimer's Disease Research. Uh, that was published in the Alzheimer's Disease Association Associates Disorders, which was an international journal. So you actually and, and other art, artists at uh, Caramu uh, use your talents to actually disseminate uh, important uh, health information, medical information, uh, in, in collaboration with healthcare providers. And, and I know I've been, uh, over the years, uh, I've been to some produ productions where um, there were, um, there was theatrical performance around the importance of healthcare screenings, uh, elimination of healthcare disparities. Uh, you know, that, that's important, very important to, to uh, put in an artistic form um, information that people will be able to receive and, and be willing to receive uh, that is for the, in their best interest. Um, you know, including healthcare, I think that's very important. Well, you know, the arts are for me go beyond the point of entertaining. We have to use this as a vehicle to educate and activate our community towards better choices and decisions. And people from coming together to have this experience all see it, have it from their own personal vantage point. But what is it like for us to have this shared experience and then reflect it from our own perspective? But it's so important to not just use theater to educate, but it's to, uh, to uh, not just to entertain, but to educate and activate communities. Yes. Uh, I think that's first and foremost. You know, even in our arts education programming, we, 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 we are driving our young people towards mastering whatever arts discipline they choose to focus in on because mastery is, is, is at the foundation here, but we want them to use those skills to be positive contributing members of our society. So if they so choose to become uh, uh, further their education and training in the arts, great. But we want them to first and foremost use this to be better individuals, to go out in the world and contribute in that way. Understanding how to uh, work in teams, using uh, uh, problem solving skills, understanding that, you know, text may look like may mean something on the surface but there is subtext what is the interpretation under that and then be able to understand uh uh, uh how to read a when you're in as you, you move through your professional career so these are the, all the kinds of skills that we want young people and, and i say young people we have lifelong learners who are taking our classes and as adults i hope we all stay in a of improvement to continue to learn and grow so uh it's so important that we use these skills beyond just the, the part of entertaining, that it's it's developing whole people, it's helping to develop and better the world in which we live in. And that's the power of music, arts, and culture as a whole, to Absolutely. better understand each other and to be able to uh, see things from different vantage points. You know, Jerome, the, um, the general public may not know this, and, and a lot of times medical uh, schools actually um, hire or, you know, partner with um, actors and actresses to uh, portray patients. So, um, you know, they, it helps in the uh, development of uh, medical students' abilities, nursing students' abilities to um, communicate with patients, uh, perform physical examinations. Um, you know, there when we actually um, partner with, with uh, theatrical performers uh, who yeah. can portray patients, um, Obviously, you know, uh, medical students work with real patients, obviously, but 
uh, before we actually unleash them, you know, to work with real patients. Actually, in many situations and in, in most medical schools, uh, uh, there's partnership with the theatrical performers. Very, very important. Never knew that. And that's yeah. that's what I love about this show. I learn something new every episode. I've never known. I mean, it makes total sense that you would have them talk to an actor or actress before the actual patient, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, so that's an excellent buffer. You know what I mean? But never thought about it like that. You know, so that's another avenue that the arts and crafts contributes to the medical field. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. So, Tony, you were talking about your arts and education program, and I've always had this um, on my mind as uh, in, my, in my bucket list uh, to take some acting lessons. So if you were to, at this moment, um, you know, let's say Jerome and I are coming to your class. Uh, we've never taken an acting class before. This is our first lesson. Um, you know, what's one of the first things you would teach us um, to, to do in, in terms of learning how to be an actor? Uh, you know, it's really, it starts with me with just understanding your instrument, your body, because different from other art forms, uh, you know, if you're a musician, you have the piano, unless you're a vocalist. Um, but it's your body is your instrument and better understanding how your body moves, that all movement starts at the spine, better understanding the power of the breath and um how it uh, informs uh, so many things. Understanding, you know, that people carry uh, uh, carry themselves in different ways. You know, some people lead with their chest or uh, or, or or the position of their feet. So better understanding uh, your body and your instruments. I'm not going to throw a script in your hand immediately. And say, let's act. We want to better. Un you want to better understand who you are as a person and how your instrument operates better understanding how you uh, uh, make eye contact. And quite often in life, we, we get to moving and doing things. And the technique in acting is you can only do one thing at a time. And you have to start that action because that action does not start with a movement. It starts with a thought. Okay. And yeah. so better understanding your instrument, the thought process in using your instrument will be some of the first things that we would talk about and, and begin to explore, not even talk about, it's to begin to do. Is it true? I mean, I, I've heard this said several times that um, actors and actresses, a lot of times um, when they're portraying a, a certain character, whether it's in a, on a theater, on the theater stage or in a movie, that they um, assume that personality in in, in their real life also um, uh, during that, uh, while, while they're filming the movie or, or uh, during that period of time. Uh, is that is that true? Or is that just something that it's? Well, it depends on the actor. Yeah. Many yeah. actors do have that, that, that have that experience. Uh, when I act, depending on the role, uh, uh, characteristics of that character, that may live with me during the run of a show. So if a, if a show is running four to six weeks, you know, you got the rehearsal process. So uh, it is a moment of turning it on and turning it off. Uh, you know, usually the show goes down about 10 o'clock at night, just curtains up at seven, 7.30, shows down 10 o'clock. Well, you for me as an actor, because I won't speak for all actors, uh, it takes me about three or four hours to shake that character. And <laughs> when you mention the character of Troy from Fences, what I found myself doing was I had a very distinctive walk for that character because I was a younger man 
when I played the role of Troy in Fences. So uh, that walk was with me until I went to bed almost. Okay. I would try to shake it off, shake it off. And that was one of the more challenging characters to uh, disconnect with. Another character that I played that uh, lived with me throughout that run, I played a one, I did a one man show of Paul Robeson. And so uh, Paul has a, was, a, was a pure basso, pure bass. I'm a baritone. So I had to find my lowest register as a baritone. He was a tall, darker man than I was. So I had to find how my lift and how I, uh, yeah. my carriage in that character. Um, so that was, that was uh, a very interesting experience and in that uh, I was still, it was, uh, I was still working uh, a full-time job. So I, at that, with that particular character, I had to actually leave uh, during the rehearsal process. It became very clear to me what it was going to take of me, my whole spirit uh, invested in that character. So it can be all so consuming and, releasing those characters after the run of a show can be very emotional depending on the character because you have then embodied that spirit of that person that character and it becomes a part of of who you are uh so it really is a a process of letting go and transitioning out uh of of characters especially those who have uh, characters that are dramatic that kind of um Required a different kind of depth from you. Every every role does not have that same kind of weight in my experience. But there have been those seminal roles that have been uh, a bit daunting to disconnect with and to connect with in the process of of, 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 of portraying those characters. So yeah, I mean, it's getting in the right mindset. I mean, there, there's a lot, and again, we're learning so much. You know, Jerome, um, um, that I had never heard um, before. Um, this is really fascinating. Would would we? Um, could I be so bold as to ask you to let us hear your baritone voice? Is, is that, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I very seldom, I very seldom make this request of people. And most often I say no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and I, um, I got a roll up in the kingdom. Ain't that good news. That's the best you're going to get tonight. Hey, uh, that's tremendous. Um, so, yeah, because, and, and you know, many performers uh, can be on the spot. They just give it to you. And that's just not me as a, a as an artist. I am that person who uh, prefers to give myself the mental transition time to get over to that head space and, and do the work. So I have a huge amount of appreciation for those who can just jump right into it. And, and that's really not my uh, approach to the work. Oh, I mean, that, that was fantastic. Uh, and, you know, again, I forgive me for asking. Um, oh, no need to apologize. <laughs> None whatsoever. So, um, Jerome, let me let me hear your baritone voice. Oh, it ain't happening, Doc. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 59 95 per month, you know, subscription for a year before you get one. <laughs> <laughs> But it so, seems like be, being an actor has a little bit of a uh, nutty professor situation where you got buddy love and breaking out of the body and you're trying to keep staying rolling. That's crazy, man. That a couple hours later, you still limping or you still walking like the dude, you know? Yeah. And I have some friends who say who can walk out, who can be shooting, 
you know, talking smack backstage a second before they walk out on stage and, and nail snap. it. And, snap. and I'm the person who requires, you know, two hours before curtain, I get to the theater. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm going to my dressing room, get dressed. There are others in that dressing room. By the time they get there, I have removed myself. I'm going somewhere and be quiet. No, yeah, and, you got. And that's what I require. And everybody doesn't do that, but that's I need that level of focus. Yeah, yeah. You see that also in in medicine in, in certain respects. You know, different surgeons have different rituals um, that they go through and before they operate. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean that that's um, you know I, I've actually witnessed that in, in medicine as well. And, and, you know, that, that's good to know that, you know, about the variability in terms of how different uh, entertainers approach, you know, their craft. Um, I understand there's a, you have another um, film or video that you might be able to show us also about Karamu. Well, you know, yes. Central to Karamu's mission is honoring the Black experience. And that's and, and in the same breath, Karamu is about inclusion and everybody is welcome. And that's very important. Um, so we did a piece uh, in 2021, last year, June of 2021, called Greenwood, an American Destroyed. And it was about the Tulsa race massacre, uh, better known as Black Wall Street. And so it's the story is told through this very affluent Black family who uh, witnessed the entire massacre. And um, so here's a brief, here, here's the brief uh, 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 trailer. It'll give you some more information. Thank you. 100 years ago was the thriving and prosperous black community in the Greenwood district of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Greenwood Avenue. They've created their own American dream here, I see. Since we can't do business with white folks in Tulsa, we're going to keep on creating our own Negro Wall Street right here. From award-winning playwright Celeste Bedford Walker in Caramu House, America's oldest black producing theater, comes Greenwood, an American dream destroyed comes the story of one family's up close and personal account of one of the most ignored moments in American history, the Black Wall Street Massacre. <gasps> I think I'm in trouble. What kind of trouble? Big trouble with the law. What did you do? They're, they're saying that I, that I, that you what? Uh, put my hands on a white woman. <gasps> I'm getting out of town. I'm leaving with you. Hey, have y'all heard? Heard what? Jimmy Jones was just arrested down Greenwood Avenue. They're going to lynch him. It's right here. Look. There's three white men just broke into the courthouse demanding Jimmy be turned over to them. I just saw the National Guard marching in. Oh, thank God. But I don't know whose side they're on. Running gunfights, mobs just set fires. That white mob came for their old Greenwood. Hello? Dr. Jackson! Frank! Everybody get down! White rage let loose, an invasion. Bombs from planes overhead raining down sticks of dynamite. In the aftermath of the disaster, all surviving Negroes were placed under arrest. The dead were dumped unceremoniously into mass unmarked graves. But Molly's dream for the living is still living on. A better American dream. Greenwood, an American dream destroyed. Beginning this June from Karamu House, presented by Bank of America. Yeah, that's remarkable. Um, makes me very emotional just 
when, when I was, I grew up in the sixties and seventies and, and I can tell in central Indiana, I can tell you not once did we ever hear about um, this atrocity. It wasn't taught in our history books or I did we didn't know about it. You know? Well, that's one of the roles of, of Caramel House is to educate people about history that this piece, uh, when we produced it, so many people and so many Clevelanders and people around the country really wasn't aware of this massacre, that this, this town had um, thrived multiple banks, uh, oil, oil barons, uh, thriving businesses, own movie theaters, and that it was actually as prosperous as the quote unquote white Tulsa. And that there was rage and jealousy around how this community of Greenwood was thriving. And so when this massacre happened, you know, um, the fact that there were bombs from an air raid means that this was beyond the city's coordinated effort of destruction. That's and so crazy. It, yeah, That's it is. It really is. And that, you know, this young man who was a shoeshine boy and had a thriving business in downtown wanted to go to the bathroom. And that was only a bathroom on the sixth floor of one of the buildings. He went in and the elevator operator was an inexperienced elevator operator. And the floor did not level out when she opened the door. And he tripped when he walked, went into the elevator and reached for her to was trying to stop himself from falling and grabbed her arm. She then began to scream and shout and make all this noise. And then that was the inciting incident or the excuse mm. to begin this massacre. Mm. And um, within a 36 hour window, hell broke loose. Uh, but again, this is around, you think about in certain states, the eradication of certain important American history. And for many years and generations, stories, this American story not being included, not in my history books, when I was in school in the 60s and 70s. Of course it wasn't. So, so it's important for organizations such as Caramel House to bring these stories to life, to bring it to life in a way so that we remember from whence we cometh to not to repeat those mistakes again. And it's for our other brothers and sisters, many of whom who don't look like us, to better understand when you talk about uh, disenfranchised communities and some of the challenges in the Black communities around uh, economic mobility. We've foundations for hundreds of years, but the destruction of our communities and cultures have been challenged. And so I think it's important to understand history so that we don't repeat those things. And this is no affront to anyone other than for us as Americans to say, let's, let's, let's keep history alive and let's understand the truth in, in the history that we tell. Understanding the truth, understanding the truth, you know, that is wow. It, so um, I, just, I just can't believe that all this stuff we have to overcome nowadays um, and things that you're doing is, a prime example of how you overcome them, bringing people together, uh, you know, within your spirit, you know, using that energy instead of just your physical, you know, you're putting everything into this, man. So, you know, that's what it takes, though. That's what it takes. Well, you know, Caramu 
you know, I am carrying on the legacy of, of this institution because Russell and Rowena Jellif, Caramel House started as a settlement house. The settlement house was an early form of a social service. They were primarily serving Eastern European immigrants at the founding of Caramel House, at the point that the great migration of Black folks out of the South, the neighborhood changed because it was the central neighborhood. It began to change and Black people became came into and it speaks to the vision and the spirit of the founders that they didn't they could have said no we're just serve our people but no they said we're going to serve the people the and the people. people community and so inclusion has always been central to who we have been as an institution and so it's an honor to carry on this legacy now today 107 years later Excuse me. It's a huge responsibility. Um, so tell our tell the audience um, how how can we be of assistance to the great work that's being done at, at Caramu? How, how can we su su go about supporting Caramu? Well, you know, it's always funds are always important. So going to caramuhouse.org, looking at our website and say donate because we are a nonprofit. We're a five hundred one c three, and the yeoman's portion of our dollars come from donors and individuals. And quite often people think that uh, 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 philanthropy is for the rich. But what we don't really acknowledge is, you know, uh, black and brown communities have been into philanthropy for a long time. And most often it's through the church. But I'm a believer that the good Lord won't mind you giving some of that money to Caribou <laughs> and, and splitting those tithes. Because yeah, Lord, get a, can we get an amen for the people in the back? <laughs> That's amen, right. Amen. amen for the people in the back. And, and some of the people at Bedside Baptist. Yeah. Right. Um, it's important to just uh, give and uh, continue to allow us to, your support, every dollar makes a difference in terms of uh, keeping an organization like Caramel House moving forward, the lights on and the doors open. I have a question, uh, Tony. Yes, when, are they going to air that Greenwood? Are you guys going to do that? I'm, I'm interested in seeing that because I know Errol Porter from um, Voice of Radio. That's a good guy right there. I see he's one of the guys on that. Yeah. Uh, so we Shout will air it. What's that? Shout out to EP, you know? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, brother. It was great working with him on that project. So, yeah. yes, we have not confirmed when we will re-air it. Uh, we aired it uh, earlier this year, but it will air again. So we have. I a think I was at a venue on uh, the north side of Cleveland where they did a debut for that, I think. Um, there was a screening, and Errol was yeah. responsible for producing that, that uh, screening. Yep, I, I think I've seen it then, a little bit of it, yep. So congratulations on that. Just all of these accolades, man. Congratulations on everything, man. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it. So, no, we, we appreciate you coming on, um, you know, giving um, up, you know, some of your busy time for us and, and for the audience. And, um, I mean, this has been eye-opening for me. I've always mm -hmm. had a great respect for, you know, uh, theatrical performers, entertainers, uh, um, I would like to take some lessons from you at, at some point. Maybe that could be uh, my, my second career path. Uh, <laughs> probably, I would probably fail miserably. You know, I'm sure I, I would fail miserably. No. But, but we remember, would be excited to have you at Caribou House at uh, uh, taking a class. So I look forward to that. And that's the way to work. 
Put it in work, man. Permission to dream. I have at least permission to dream about it. That's right, Doc. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, any closing remarks, uh, you know, Jerome? Well, you know, continue your work. If there's anything that you need, any of the Caramu House family needs, any assistance, if you know anybody that needs book bags, you can send them up to 153rd and Kinsman. This Saturday, I'm giving away free book bags for the kids. You must bring the kids from 3 to 7 p.m. You're more than welcome to attend the event if you want. If you need a tow, anything like that, just reach out, man, and continue. I can't wait to come down there and meet you and see one of the plays, man. I'm really uh, looking forward to that. Thank you. It's been a joy and pleasure uh, having this conversation tonight. Uh, and I'm in great company, uh, just conversing and, and sharing thoughts about Caribou House. I really appreciate it. I got one request. Yes, sir. Give us a couple more notes, man. Come on, man. <laughs> you did for the it price of a ticket. For the <laughs> price of a ticket. <laughs> Come on, all of, all of the world. You know, you haven't done this for anybody else, and you already broke the rule, man. So a couple more ain't going to hurt, man. You, you in it now. So uh, at some point in the spring, I will do a little something at Caramel House, and I think that that will encourage people to come out and check check me out on a few other uh, Cleveland uh, folks who you might not expect to see on stage. So uh, in the spring, we gonna have some special for you all. Okay, don't uh, don't don't no, no spoiler alert. Don't tell them I'm gonna be there. So <laughs> there you go again. <laughs> so uh, before we sign off, I want to actually recognize. Uh, you know, Russell uh, Johnson, our, our production manager, Kayhawk 2 Productions, uh, couldn't yeah. do this without them. So, you know, yeah. thank you, uh, yeah. Kayhawk 2. And again, um, you know, thank you for the audience tuning in to Music and Medicine. And, and thank you, uh, Jerome, for being here and, and Tony Sias, president and CEO of the Great Caramu House. And we're going to look forward to visiting you and, and your performers over there. And, and thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. It was an honor.